If you want to be at the tip of the spear of sports performance, the answer is simple. Simply Faster is your insider's edge to maximize results with the highest quality premier sports equipment in the business. Visit Simply Faster and level up. What's up, world? It's Ryan Banta again coming at you. Uh, talked about this it's a little later than this afternoon. It's more like evening, uh, Central Standard Time. But I wanted to put together a video on basically the different books that I've had as a coach that have really, really, really helped me out over time. And I think it's important to understand that, like, you've got to continually educate yourself as a coach to be able to improve your coaching game. And for me, you know, a lot of people have their top 10 lists. And it's kind of this thing where they're like bragging about how many people they have read and how many books they've read and how many you know, people who have influenced them and things like that. So I I don't want this list to be looked at in that manner. Instead, I want you guys to look at this list uh, differently in terms of this is just how it helped me and improved me. You know, I feel like a lot of times people get really excited and they want to be connected to a particular coach or a particular thinker. And so they will bring these books in and and it's kind of like man how many books did you read and it's important obviously that's why i'm talking about it today but i don't want you guys to think of this as a a must it's just how my mind works and where my process went in terms of the books that i've read not just this year because you know these books have taken me quite a while to get through some of them are are quite uh thorough and and are pretty lengthy so First of all, I'm going to run through the list and then we're going to come back through it just so you guys know what it is right away. So that way, if you're interested, you can continue to keep listening to my thoughts on particular books uh, or not. So the first one is Purpose Driven Life. Um, The next one is the Dr. Jack Daniels Running Formula. The next one is a book called Peak Performance, which you guys probably have heard because of, uh, you know, Steve Magnus writing that. The next one is a book by Daniel Coyle known as The Talent Code. The next one is Periodization Training for Sports by Tudor Bompa and Carlo Buzicelli. The next one, shameful plug, is my own book by Ryan Banta. Um, And we'll talk about why I included that in my process and all this kind of stuff. The next one is The Game of Shadows, which is the story about the Balco bust. The next one is Becoming a Supple Leopard by Kelly Starlet. The ninth one is Talent is Overrated. And the final one is They Have Not Been Taught Until They Have Learned, which was a evaluation of Coach Wooden's system. Okay. So I'm going to try to keep this as brief as I can because usually I only do five, and sometimes these conversations take like 25 to 30 minutes. But The Purpose Driven Life. So why is that book so important? Well, first of all, I'm a man of faith. Um, and I do believe in God and I'm a Christian and, and all that kind of stuff. And so for me, it's been hard to calibrate how I can be the person I want to be and successful in the way that I want to be. And at the same time, be able to give the people I work with a service and to help them and to be kind. And one of the most powerful things in the beginning of the book, and as you read it, it's all these different steps of things that you're going to do over the course of essentially 40 days. And the first thing they say is in the book, it's not about you. And when I first started coaching, it was all about me. And that became really difficult to overcome because a lot of my team's success 
was tied into my ego and how well or not well I was doing. Over time, once you've had some success and you've had time for perspective, it definitely makes it very clear that it's really not about us. It's what we can give to other people, how we can have a contract with ourselves of how we're going to give ourselves as a service to others throughout our life. And I've circled back to this book a couple times because through my positive psychology masters and everything else, one of the things they talk about people who are the most successful and, and really enjoy life are the people who give of themselves to others. So like Mother Teresa did not live a nice life. You know, her life was a struggle and it was tough and it was difficult. And she even questioned some things in terms of faith and her writings and stuff like that. But yet she had a life that was satisfying because it had purpose, that you had something that you were meant to do. And as I move forward, you know, it's not the what you do, it's why you do it, right? That old TED Talk speech, but it's really true. And for me, it's like, okay, I was put here on this planet to do some things, hopefully more good than bad. Doesn't mean I'm a perfect person, by no means, uh, not even close. And there are times and things where I go back and look at things and I said, man, I really wish I could give that back, give that season back, figure that out, talk to that kid differently. But we all have a path that we have to grow and develop and build perspective. And so the purpose-driven life is really great because it builds all of this in for you into this book and it sets a structure, if you will, for you to have a really positive experience with purpose, the why, and then not only the why, but how to do the why, which I find very valuable. Now, I work at a public school, so it's a little different for me to be able to uh, tell kids this is a book you should get. Um, but in this forum, in a public forum, as a person is just talking to you through the internet, I can full-fledged tell you this is one of the most powerful books I've ever read and uh, was life-changing for me in terms of my perspective and then to do the why and how to get those things done. The next book is Jack Daniels' Running Formula. Uh, Dr. Daniels has probably had to overcome his name for his entire life. For distance, folks, this book will not be surprising to anyone. So as a coach, as you get better, you've got to expand your game. You've got to build a toolbox. And for me, I was a sprinter, a often injured sprinter, as we've talked about before, um, of modest talent. I never ran distance after like middle school. I ran one mile race in a small tri meet for my coach, Steve Warren, because I was hurt. Uh, I had a hamstring injury, and so instead of sprinting, I thought it was a great idea to go run a competitive mile. Not the best choice. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, my experience and my knowledge was very, very limited when it came to distance running. I was blessed with the opportunity to coach a lot of talented distance runners, um, specifically two young ladies who are still two of the fastest women in NCAA history, and both of them were all Americans. Uh, in the 5K and multi-time national qualifiers in cross country. And I knew having those athletes that I was inheriting into my program, and one of them we, we built and developed over time, I wanted to provide them the very best structure and training and systems I could. And the Daniels running formula was my first adventure out into an event that I was not really comfortable with coaching but I knew I had to coach it and I knew that my athletes deserved better. And I'm so very thankful for the Daniels running formula because it worked. We broke the state record and still hold it for now uh, in the state, the four by eight 
Um, but I imagine Jesse Griffin's athletes are going to break that this year. And we had multiple state champions in cross country and multiple state champions uh, in the distance races, both the 32 and the mile. And I've had a lot of awesome success. Uh, and my kids have had great success in the 800. And in fact, they really bought into that. And we've, we've, we've really done really well there because they're willing to do it and work and put their efforts in. But also what was really important about Daniel's running formula is not only did it give me a structure for training, but it gave me a structure for a big bucket list item for me, which was riding, you know, the sprinter's compendium. Without the Daniels running formula as this example of what needs to be done for a sprint book, I uh, would have never been able to put it together with all the different training models and different designs and the different levels for the different athletes. So I knew that I wanted my book to emulate that book. And I have no uh, delusions about my book in comparison to Daniel's. I mean, Daniel's running formula is the most important distance book probably in track and field because the systems and the methods, they work, they're easy to access, and they usually don't blow up your athletes. So I found a lot of value in the Daniel's running formula. And the message there is to find somebody who is a master at their craft, research their methods, ask them questions if possible, and, and stand on the shoulders of giants, not to take credit for yourself, but to help those who are around you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay, next book, Peak Performance. Uh, Peak Performance is by Steve Magnus and a co-author, and the book came out uh, last year, two years ago, and it's fantastic. Much like The Purpose Driven Life, it gives you actionable items on how to improve your life to be better um, and things that don't have anything to do with sports, like how to study, how to read, how to sustain your efforts through difficult, challenging tasks, how to turn your brain on and off so that it can take time to recover on some of the more intense things. And then you have time to be able to regenerate and soothe and do what people would maybe consider like mindless work, which is not mindless at all. It's restorative work um, to allow you to be successful over a long period of time. And I found it to be a great book to send my kids to um, that are struggling with time management and how to perform at the most elite level uh, when they need to perform at the highest they can possibly be. So it's been a great book um, and it's a good read. It's a quick read and it's audio so you could buy it and drive and listen to it. It's fantastic. And uh, meeting Steve Magnus in person, I can tell you he's a really good guy and a master coach who believes in this idea of continued education. And that's kind of part of this, the book in general is how can we peak and how can we perform when we need to and uh, sustain those things in competition, uh, not just in sports, but anything that we compete in, anything that's really important. The next book is uh, called The Talent Code. And the reason why I included that one, I actually really like The Culture Code and Daniel Coyle's book, uh, The Little Book of Talent. But what I really liked about The Talent Code is it just kind of built into all these high achievers. What are the things that they have in common? What are um, some of the lifestyle choices that they've made? Who have they been around? Who are the people that have talked to them and spent time with them and shepherd talent? And for me as a coach, what is really neat is it just shows that, you know, it's not necessarily magic. The things that allow these people to be successful and to do the great things that they're doing really comes from a lot of culture, comes from a lot of systems, comes from people who shepherd that talent, and that success can happen anywhere. 
you've just got to create this environment that allows talent to flourish. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later about talent is overrated in the 10,000 hour rule, but it's a good symphony of all of these different things. Yes, athletes have to have talent. Yes, they have to have drive and purpose. You have to be a coach. You have to be exciting for them to come and train with and build those relationships because the relationship, believe it or not, is the most important thing for a kid to be successful beyond X's and O's because people can succeed in spite of you all the time. So the relationship is really where you get the buy-in and you get the great things to happen. And so the talent code gave you all of these big ideas of really successful people. And for me, it demystified how success can be. All right. Periodization of training for sports by Tudor Bompa and Carlo Buzicelli. Now, I own three of the editions of this book. And the reason why I find it so valuable is for me as a coach, I was looking for ways to actually do stuff. Okay, I understand these principles are important. I understand that training and taking advantage of supercompensation is important. But how does that look? How do I do that? And how do I do that in a general sense for all sports? This book encapsulates all of these methods and different training ideas. And really, like people have poo-pooed periodization saying, ah, I never peak my athletes. I never do this. Guys, that's just kind of lazy, like in some respects. Like periodization is, is really important. You need to have an understanding of where you're going, what you're doing, and when to turn on certain methods of training and when to turn them off in succession to take advantage of biological adaptations that the body has in proper order. That's basically all periodization is, taking advantage of the natural ebbs and flows of the body and those adaptations in the proper order to get the best bang for the buck when you need it the most. And what's really cool about that book is it breaks everything down. Now, this is not a, a book that you would probably want to jump into if you're a first-time coach, but you know, you've got a couple years in and you kind of understand the concepts and you see how things flow and how they go together. That would be the time you'd want to buy the book. And I read the book cover to cover, all the way from warming up to general strength to weight training to speed and agility. And so if you're going to be a good generalist coach who can build systems and programs for everybody, again, this is a book that provides you the language and the vocabulary so you can effectively communicate it with other coaches and you know what they're talking about, which is really important if you're going to get better from those coaches. You've got to understand what the words they're saying means, but also by providing you proven means and methods to take advantage of the body's ability to adaptate and to take advantage of it in the proper order. Okay. Now, this is a shameless plug, but I did include this book in the list. Why? There's 50 coaches in the book. Every one of those coaches where I read their information and the stuff that they provided me really challenged as I'm writing and I'm putting all these thoughts together and I'm reading their commentary and their ideas about weight training or their ideas about how much training do we do and when do we do it, forced me to evaluate how I am as a coach. I believe that before going into the process of writing this book, this is the method that you do. And you basically put all of your athletes through that method 
And then by getting them in there, eventually they'll come out the backside better and more improved. And we did. We got a lot better and we had great success. But I thought, am I really truly maximizing my coaching game from the X's and O's? Biology and DNA would tell you that I wasn't, that there are things that we were doing in training that didn't benefit all of my athletes, benefited many, but not all of them. So what do I do about that really talented kid that can't train two days in a row? What do I do with that kid who is a creatine phosphate monster and just cannot run the longer stuff, not because they don't want to, but because their body isn't set up to do it. And so through the process of writing and creating and putting the Sprinter's Compendium together, it made me really challenge a lot of my thoughts and ideals that I thought I had pretty locked in 10 plus years into coaching. And I know that coaches who are veterans who are listening to this video will say, well, Ryan, in 10 more years, you'll probably have that same experience and line of thinking. And I know that's true. I don't know where and how and what, what it's going to do. But as I move forward and I continue to try to improve my game as a coach, these are things that I'm going to go through. And the Sprinter's Compendium created that opportunity for me to learn while I was putting this method and systems together for other coaches to take advantage of later. And it's made me a better coach for it. Now, this book's on the list, Game of Shadows, um, the Balco Scandal book, because I do love track and field and I do love professional athletics, but there's a lot of drugs in sport. And my job as a, as a young coach is to try to keep our athletes from doing those things. And so reading the worst of it, reading about Barry Bonds and all the drugs that he was taking and how he treated people and, and uh, you know, all the other athletes that were in that particular book that were covered, it, a lot of it is shameful. And the funny thing about it is, is that after all those drugs and all that stuff and everything that they were doing, you still got people that can run just as fast as those people were doing clean. Now, can they run as long uninjured without that stuff? Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I don't know because I've never had athletes on it and done a double blind study and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things that I always wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that any of my athletes that trained with me and worked out with me were natural as possible. And that through diet and nutrition and good therapy and rehab and prehab, that we could get them to a performance level without ever having to go to the game of shadows option. And truth, I've been very blessed. In the same year, in the same year, I coached an athlete that broke the uh, high school record for bench press for running backs and linebackers on the rep test that they do at the Army All-American Combine in San Antonio. In that same year, going from the most, you know, the strength test of strength tests, right, to not power, but strength, to the longest event that a high school kid can do competitively on a regular basis, the 5,000 meters. I coached a kid who then went on into the summer and won the national title in the 5,000 and now is world class. And the other guy was a captain at Stanford. And the other, the, the gal is, you know, running for uh, uh, New Balance and is a professional and, you know, is one of the fastest women on the planet. Neither of those athletes take drugs. Neither of them took drugs at the time. 
Um, and if you would have seen them young, yes, they had some gifts and abilities, but our job as the coach was to shepherd them so they could keep leveling up and keep figuring out ways to improve themselves without having to get a therapeutic exemption, without having to do drugs, without having to take a whole bunch of supplements. Because the reality is most of the kids that you work with and most of the athletes you work with are going to get a lot better without any of that stuff. And if you're one of those people that's like, oh, it's okay to do, you can cycle on, you can cycle off, man, you're shortchanging yourself as a coach and you're shortchanging the athletes. And so when I read that book, I made a, I made a mental note that I will never allow. And I, if an athlete does it, they're done. They're, they're like dead to me. You know, I, I don't want that. Because I never, ever, ever want the results and the work that we do at my level or any kid that I mentor or shepherd to ever put their morality and their conscience at risk with something like that. All right, number eight, speaking of taking care of your body, Becoming a Supple Leopard, hilarious title of a book and awesome. When I heard Kelly Starlet talk for the first time, he is a boisterous figure with a lot of opinions and kind of talks like a drunken sailor at times in interviews and things like that. But what's incredible about him was his philosophy of how he wanted to move things beyond that paywall that you can do at home to take care of yourself. And in the world that we live in now, where we have coaches getting caught for doing terrible things and and you know terrible stuff that's been going on in the, in the world of athletics and specifically gymnastics, putting your hands on an athlete to do massage or adjustments, it's just... It's probably completely unnecessary unless you're in a super emergency situation and you've got everybody on board. You've got a lot of people in the room, you know, making sure that everything's on the up and up. Okay. So because we can't do some of that stuff and because going to a professional therapist can be really expensive, instead of waiting to use the nuclear option, if you will, of, of spending a lot of money on a massage therapist or a chiropractor or anything like that, the becoming a supple leopard literally gives you step-by-step -step things that you can do on your own. So now when a kid comes to me and is like, Banta, I've got this soreness in my shin or this, you know, my ankle feels very immobile. What's great about it, what's awesome about it is that this book provides you all these drills. It's like, okay, you got this problem, boom, 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 here are things you can do. You got this problem, boom, 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 you can do. And now my athletes are more taking ownership of their body. They're more aware of things. And what's really cool is they don't feel helpless. It's kind of like in the, the movie, uh, the, oh my gosh, I'm having a big brain fart here. Oh, Pulp Fiction. So in Pulp Fiction, when the guy calls in, Marcellus Wallace calls in the wolf. Well, now you don't need to have the wolf to fix all of your problems. You've got it all right here. So one of the things that I do is I will ask the kids, and you don't have to buy a thousand books for all your kids to have that would be nice but i have my kids come in and we'll we'll take a picture of the pages that they need or we'll write down the script of all this different stuff that kelly's got in this book and boom they're done and then if the kid wants more i tell them hey why don't you get a copy of this book for yourself you know if you feel like this is really helping you and improving your game and we include the book so i've got a milk carton that i put on the track which we call a recovery station where we've got therabands and we've got foam rollers and lacrosse balls and we got the book in there. So when the kid says, hey, my IT been really tight, I'm like, all right, go to the recovery station, roll out and look at page, you know, I don't know, 75 and Kelly Starless becoming a supple leopard. And then what's really cool is that oftentimes those problems work themselves out by self-care. 
not having to go to a therapist, not having to go to a doctor who thinks they're going to be a white knight and fix all your problems and say, hey, it hurts when I go like this. Well, don't go like that for six to eight weeks. We don't want that, right? We're competitive. And if they're not broken, we want to give them things that can help them get back incrementally back to being healthy or maybe just free up a joint or a muscle that just has too much tone at that time. And the book really provides that, which is really great. Okay. Number nine, talent is overrated. The 10,000 hour rule. Okay. A lot of people have poo-pooed this. Oh, if you're really talented, you know, 10,000 hours doesn't matter. I could never be, I could never be an NFL lineman because I'm not six foot five. We all understand that there are physical limiters, but once you've played sports, at the youth level or the high school level, and you your body type has been moved to one of a position or event or whatever, then after that, if you have the bare minimum skills, 10,000 hours will make you a lot better through purposeful practice. You know, it's so like soccer players playing futsal. Well, you're getting a lot more touch on a small court with that soccer ball, and the ball's a lot smaller, and it takes a lot more effort to move it, you know, than you would be on a huge soccer pitch where – you're not ever getting to touch the ball and you're never getting contact and you're not improving your skills. Obviously the game of futsal purposeful practice, you play that a lot. You're going to, and you play a lot more than your opponent who's similarly ability to you. You're going to be better than them. It's a very simple concept and you can make huge gains over time. So a lot of people say ultimate thing sprinting. Well, you're world-class and then, you know, there's no change. You're already world-class. Everybody knows you are, you know, right when you start running. The reality is, is that it still takes, and I've done the math, it takes 8.75 years average for a world-class sprinter who's a medalist-level sprinter to reach, when they become world-class, to eventually then reach their ultimate career PRs. That's almost nine years. Okay, so we're one year and a quarter away from the 10,000 or 10-year rule in a thing that everybody believes well, you just got it or you don't. Well, sure, you have to have some of it. And then from there, we whittle things down to improve that as much as we can. And that's our job as coaches and their job as athletes to maximize themselves over time. So that book is really, really good at listing out all these different people and high achievers and all the things that have happened to make them great. All right, last one. They have not been taught until they have learned. John Wooden. Everybody likes to talk about John Wooden's, you know, pyramid and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. And all those words on the wall are great. But you have to live it. As a coach, you have to live it. You have to show it. You have to have actionable things that you do that make you a better coach. So what did John Wooden do? John Wooden would reach out every year to the best coach uh, top 10 coaches in the area on rebounds or free throws or, you know, uh, jump shots. And then they would do a group research project that would, you know, teach him and then teach the other coaches and they would teach each other what are the things and techniques that they do that they think make them really good at that particular aspect of basketball. Another thing that John Wooden would do is he would get a little card and he would write notes. And so when I was at the Altus, uh, apprentice program, you know, every coach has their little book and they write down little notes and they put it right in their, in, in back into their pocket. And then at the end of practice, they have an opportunity. They can send those notes to their, to their kids or their athletes. And that's what John Wooden would do would give them a card. And so what you're not doing in practice, you're like, ah, I know that's something that's going on and I've seen it throughout the entire practice. Okay. 
we can evaluate it at the next practice, but I want to give them that for something to think about or things they can work on outside of practice on their own. So that's really helpful and useful. And then finally, uh, the plus minus plus. So instead of having win one for the Gippers and all these long speeches, you know, it would be, hey, this is what you're, this is how you do it right. This is how you're, you're doing it. And this is how you do it right. All right, move on. And practice was always quick, 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 quick. And how he handled talking to his athletes and how all of his athletes would have different things that they could work on and provide the team. And he was very honest and open and never lied. And he was a humble man and he worked on his craft and his trade his entire life. And so to me, that's very motivating. And he was an educator more than he was a coach.